Walt Ruff, Hurricanes.com reporter. Uh, Walt, thank you so much for joining us today. One of the best-dressed men that you'll see uh, in the press box, for Thanks. sure. We've got to ask you about Brady Shea. We heard that he is the only Canes player to not skate today at practice. What's going on with Brady Shea? Is he going to be good enough uh, to play tomorrow? Well, guys, thanks for having me. I know you said we're going to try and smooth things over, but if you're bringing me in with Brock Lesnar's theme music, you got me ready to hit somebody with an F5. (laughs) Do it. Let's go. My goodness. Let's go. Anyways, okay, to the matter at hand. uh, Yeah, Brady Shea's going to be fine. Uh, It was just a a maintenance day, a rest day. Uh, He missed prior to game one. There was a practice where he was held off the ice, too. So uh, I don't think anything to worry about there. Obviously, I'm sure he's eager to get back out there. It wasn't – his finest hour yesterday afternoon per se. So uh, I don't think any be anything to be concerned with there. Walt rough hurricanes.com joining us here in the Houston automotive group hotline. My only, my only question for you, Walt is basically this. Can you just tell us that everything's going to be okay? Cause that <laughs> yesterday was, was, was hard. Can you just tell us that everything's going to be okay? And the kids are going to win tomorrow. Going to be at three, one coming back on Thursday. Can you just tell us everything's going to be fine? I would love that. I would love to be on a happy team flight home Deal. tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm very curious to see what the response is like from mm-hmm. the group. I have no doubts from Carolina's side. I mean, look at round one. They lost twice. They responded with wins both times sure. there. Um, but I do think this is a little bit of a different animal with the New Jersey Devils. I mean, we know how talented and how gifted they are up front on offense. They can score goals like it's nobody's business, especially when you've got guys like Jack Hughes. Now that Timo Myers on the score sheet, I'm sure that's going to do a little bit for his confidence. Um, but I think Justin Williams had a, a great tweet this morning. He said, this is a fight. You know, you're going to get punched in the mouth and you got to be able to respond and counter them accordingly. So uh, I'm very eager to see what goes on tomorrow night. I think there's a couple other things to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, potential lineup changes, who goes in net. So uh, certainly no shortage of storylines going into tomorrow's game four. What could those changes be and who does start in net? Who starts in net's a really good question because of how yesterday shook out. Uh, it was good to see Antti Ranta on the ice with the group today. He's obviously missed games two and three due to an illness. Um, again, him being back on the ice is one thing. Whether that means he's good to go for tomorrow is not um, you know, a, a definitive point in whether he can play. Rod Brindamore said that they would talk about it tonight to see if he would be an option. As far as a potential lineup change, what I will say is that it would not shock me to see Mackenzie McEachern coming back in. Uh, during today's practice, there were some power play drills where Jesper Foss was on power play number two uh, in Yessi Pugliarvi's spot, and Pugliarvi was killing. Uh, so, again, might mean something, might not. McEachern did take some five-on-five line rushes with Paul Stassi and Derek Stepan, mm-hmm. so uh, something to potentially watch for tomorrow. Walt Ruff joining us right now in the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. He's from Hurricanes.com. Walt, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in one of the uh, questions that you answered, but I, I wanted to get a little bit more into this. Timo Meyer was one of the huge deadline pickups uh, for any team in the NHL. The uh, Devils got him, and up until yesterday, didn't have a single point uh, in the playoffs. And, of course, you know, he missed uh, – First couple games, uh, game one, game excuse one. me, uh, with with after that big hit that he took um, from Truba back uh, against the Rangers and that last series. But now that he is kind of on track, um, how much of, of a concern is that for the Canes and their defense? Because he can, of course, put up points. And, of course, they have a young forward group who's really fast, and they can all put up points. How much of a concern is that for the Canes' D? 
I think what's more of a concern, Chris, is how his goal happened yesterday. Uh, anytime you leave a, a player with his scoring abilities in that spot, I mean, let's call it what it was. It was a lost 50-50 puck bottle beh- battle Excuse me, behind the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's unmarked, standing there at the side of the cage. All he does is shift it forehand and tap it home. Um, I'm sure he would tell you that it was a pretty easy one. The 50-50 puck battles are the concern. Mm-hmm. Um, guys talked about it both yesterday post game, and they pointed it out today when we were asking about what they saw on video about what needs to be different for tomorrow. And it was the you know the Devils coming away with the you know where it's anyone's puck. You go into the corner. I, I can't help but think of in game two where yes, Barry Kokaniemi's first goal came on the power play in the early stages of the second period. And that happened because Jack Drury and Yessi Poyarvi won the puck battle along the wall. So it's little things like that. It really is, you know, the cliche game of inches uh, that makes or breaks those sorts of situations. And then Carolina was on the wrong side of a lot of them yesterday. And that's why the score looked the way that it did. Walt Ruff joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. He's the reporter for Hurricanes.com. My final question for you, Walt. How fun was it seeing Aho just kind of getting a little bit of a scuffle there with Jack Hughes? I mean, it's not something we'd see two young superstars, not, super skilled guys get into like that, but the fact that they were going at it just kind of shows you the intensity of the game from yesterday and just the series as a whole. Not quite Brock Lesnar, but he was a scuffle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got some work to be done there, but it is nice to see because that's what you want. You don't want your superstar shying away from anybody in those situations. And uh, Sebastian was kind of all over it yesterday. I am still shocked beyond belief at the quote unquote, two minute roughing minor for Tomas Tatar swinging his stick behind his head and hitting Sebastian. Oh, I couldn't believe that. I know he got fined today, but, mm-hmm. uh, and that's of course, no fault to Sebastian, but my goodness, what a dangerous play. Um, but yes, during the second period there where Aho and Hughes get tangled up, I mean, we know Aho is about as competitive as guy as they come, right? So, uh, to see him engaged in the way that he is and, you know, let alone his current scoring streak that he's on, he's really all over it for Carolina and he's leading by example, which is not only what you need from the captain Jordan Saul, but you need from your superstars this time of year. And he's certainly doing that. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, Walt, but I said you're one of the best-dressed guys in the, in the press box. I feel like every time I see you, I'm just like, man, nice jacket. Um, so are you, since we're not in, in New Jersey with you, are you going to tweet out a fit check before game four tomorrow for all of us to just look at all the flyness that you have going on up there? Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, that's coming from, you know, a very well-dressed man and himself. You always dress to impress, too. I can assure you that there will not be a tweeted picture uh, of me in the press box tomorrow. I apologize. Uh, I dress pretty boring on the road. Anytime that I am <laughs> not in front of a camera, it is a pretty, uh, I don't want to say doled down suit, but it's just your simple white, black, and red for the team. And, uh, you know, I'll try and try and bring my best Thursday night for game five. How about that? Okay, so game five, we'll see you. My old radio name back uh, when I was a kid back in college was Show Smooth. So we're going to have to take a picture, smooth and rough. How about that? Hey, it works for me. I like it. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Check out the Carolina Indie Fest at the Strawberry Jamming Festival in Sanford this weekend. Go to visit SanfordNC.com for all of the details. All right, we talked to Walt Ruff. Big thanks to him for joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. The Devils won 8-4, to four, but should they be concerned? Ooh. Jamie Hirsch, NHL Network, will tell us next. <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes still lead the series two games to one. 
Now, we've talked to Walt Ruff. We've talked to Casey Hintz. Walt Ruff from Hurricanes.com. Casey Hintz from WRAL Sports. If you missed those conversations, check him out on the Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast. But to give us maybe a little bit more of a New Jersey Devils perspective, a national perspective, we tune, we turn to the Heaster Automotive Group hotline, and we bring on our friend Jamie Hirsch of the NHL Network. Now, Jamie, you acknowledged it last week that there are a lot of Devils fans up there at the NHL Network since you guys are based in Jersey. <laughs> Everyone feeling good in the building? Everyone coming to work, showing up today, feeling fine? And that the Devils yes. had an 8-4 win? Everyone feeling pretty happy up there? Everybody but Rangers fans. That was good. And you know what? They can drink their tears. We can agree upon that. That's fine. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it was was quite the scene. I actually got a chance to go to the game yesterday, which was awesome. It was my first time. It's almost embarrassing to say since I've lived here now eight years. It was my first time actually being in the building at a Devils game. I went to cover a couple events there. But as a fan, this was my first time in the building and don't worry i didn't wear my devil's jersey i didn't wear my canes jersey i kept it neutral with a light pink but okay. it was really fun just to be there and obviously a crazy game i mean for a tight series that had been you know tight checking limited opportunities for the devils in the first two games i mean they blew the walls off yesterday so um i i also wanted to address something too that we talked about last yes time, please do everyone there thinks that i'm a i'm a devil's fan now i'm not i'm a minnesota wild fan i'm from minnesota okay. and so i tweeted out i think it was during game two i was so impressed by carolina and just their stifling defense and mm-hmm. not not allowing Jersey to have anything whatsoever. And so I tweeted something out about that, and I said, you know, dare I say boring? And, oh, man, Justin Williams, who I sent him Uh-oh. a text after, and I was like, thanks for blowing me up to the Kane fans because he tweeted it out. He said, I agree with you until you say boring. Nothing boring about being in the building here or whatever. And I, oh, man, I heard it from Kane fans to no end. Um, but I will say, as a Minnesota Wild fan, that – is a compliment because that is the style that my team has played forever and ever and ever. Now, we haven't had great success in the playoffs, Fair. but that boring style, I meant it as a compliment because <laughs> it is. it does lull a lot of you know fans watching on TV who don't have a horse in the race kind of lull them to sleep. They just don't allow any you know high-danger chances or rush chances or anything. And so <laughs> wanted to clear that up for all the Kaniacs listening that think I'm just totally biased against them. Okay, Graham, cut that. We're going to have to replay that later in the show for make sure people understand that. <laughs> oh, Jamie Hirsch, man. NHL Network, joining us here on the uh, Easter Automotive Group hotline. By the way, check her out at 6 o'clock tonight on NHL Network on NHL Tonight. Carolina has scored 15 goals in this series. I mean, granted, New Jersey did win 8-4 yesterday, but they still gave up four. Should Jersey be concerned with their goaltending? Because Banachek and Schmidt both haven't played great at all in this series. Yes. In fact, I just got off of our pre-show meeting right now, and I brought that up as a talking point, uh, just talking about confidence in Banachek and is there a concern? Because, you know, this is the first time that we've seen him start in, what, six games or something? Hasn't started since game two Mm -hmm. of the first round. And so – for him to have the win, like, sure, that's nice. But also he was playing with a hefty lead for most of the game. And you're right. He still did allow four goals. So I'm, I'd am be concerned if I was if I were a Devils fan, I'd be concerned because there is not really a number one go-to solid option. Now, I do think that they will go back to Vanacek because you have to, right? I mean, you won the game. Guys play great in front of him. But in terms of just strictly goaltending, I am not at all confident in either option at this point. Jamie Hirsch joining us right now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. 
from the NHL Network. Um, I'm Chris Lee. I haven't had a chance to, to meet you yet, but nice to meet you here uh, over the phone. Wanted to ask you a little bit more about the vibe uh, around New Jersey and what the, um, I guess, what the outlook on the, Hurric- North, or the Carolina Hurricanes are for fans out there. What do they see this team as? Do they feel like this is a team that they can come back and just whip up on and, and win this series? Or, or do fans really feel like this may be a long, drawn-out seven-game series with the Canes? I think a lot of Devils fans are very nervous about this matchup. Um, you know, other than Boston, I think Carolina was the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, Jersey went – head-to-head with them all year trying to get that division title. And eventually, or ultimately, it was Carolina obviously coming away with the the one point that made the difference in home ice. And so I think the Devils have known for a while that this is going to be the team to beat if they want to go on and make a deep deep cup run. So I don't think anyone around here is feeling too cocky or too Mm -hmm. confident after yesterday's results. Um, Like you said, they did still score four. And Rod Brindamore said, you know, you score four, you should probably win the game. So Mm -hmm. um, if they score four again, honestly, they probably will win. And that's the Hurricanes, I mean. So um, we'll see. But I, I think the vibe around Jersey is, you know, one of excitement but definitely cautiously optimistic because they know that Carolina, not only this year, but the past several years now, I mean, they're a playoff perennial. They're the team to beat, you know, ever since they knocked off Washington, what, five, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. six years ago, I'm, I'm losing track now. But yeah. yeah, that was, that was the year. I think that Carolina really was on the map again. Like we are a team that's going to contend every year. And obviously Rod Brindamore has just taken his team and run with it. Um, and I can't say enough great things about him. And so I, I definitely think that there is, um, there's some relief in uh, the Devils fan base right now, but definitely nothing overconfident. They are still down two to one and they know that they don't have home ice. But I think if they are able to win against Carolina, that would be the confidence boost that they need to think that they could actually go on and win the cup. Um, also because they would be the team that then would probably have home ice throughout the rest of the postseason. So that mm. would be good for, for whoever wins this series. That's a fair point. Jamie Hurst, NHL Network, joining us here in the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Uh, at 6 o'clock tonight, you can catch Jamie on NHL Tonight on the NHL Network. Now, we see guys like Timo Meyer get on the scoreboard. But I want to talk about Nico Heischer. He got on the scoreboard. One of their top young players to score yesterday, Jack Hughes, gets into a scuffle with Sebastian Ajo. Yes. And we see also <laughs> Stefan Nason drop the gloves with Eric Halla. What was it like in the Prudential Center when those things happened? Because, again, Jack Hughes, Sebastian Ajo, two highly skilled players. Ajo is not afraid to kind of mix it up a little bit, but not not necessarily not get into a wrestling like match. Yeah, it was crazy. Honestly, people were going nuts, and, and it was at the other end of the ice from where I was sitting. And so I'm squinting. I'm looking at the jumbo chart. I'm like, is that, is that Jack Hughes and Sebastian Ajo? Yeah. I couldn't believe it because especially with how important those two are to their team, you know, you don't want to actually get into – fisticuffs and, and hurt yourself or anything like that mm-hmm. but they came to play and you know like you said we've seen a little bit of that from Sebastian Ajo that nastiness that willingness to kind of do whatever it takes and I think Jack Hughes on the flip side like that's something new from him and I think we've seen him grow a lot over the course of this postseason because he had never played a playoff game until this year and he's going to be such a key part of this Devils team going forward that I think that was a, a welcome sight um, for so many Devils fans to be able to see the kind of passion that he brings and the kind of um, leadership that he exhibited there. Because if, if your star player is going to throw down and or at least get into it a little bit and show that you know he's not going to get messed with, um, that trickles down to the other guys in that locker room. And I think it could make Jersey tougher to play against going forward. 
Jamie Hurst, NHL Network, final question here for you. We saw in game two, Carolina just physically just take over the game. Just a lot of the open ice hits. We saw the one um, by uh, on Nico Heischer by Jesperi Koch in the Emmy. Jesper Fosh had the big hit on Ryan Graves as well. The physicality by Carolina was prominent, but it seemed like yesterday, at least early on, that the New Jersey Devils kind of brought the physical game to Carolina a little bit early on. How do you see that possibly shaking out in game four as these two teams are, again, going to New Jersey trying to tie the series, but Carolina looking to regain control? Yeah, I still think that the Hurricanes have the edge when it comes to physicality mm-hmm. and certainly size. You know, Jersey is, is so fast and skilled but they are a small team ultimately yeah. you know they've tried to to beef up a little bit but their big guys are are small and carolina you know they're not like the bulkiest biggest team in the nhl but they're they are tough to play against and you know brent burns very much getting involved physically and a lot of the other guys too so um you know we saw martin bringing his tough game as well so i i think the edge goes to carolina when it comes to physicality and and i I was impressed by what Jersey brought in that department yesterday, but I don't know if it's sustainable. And so, you know, if Carolina can just continue to play that smothering style, that stifling defense that we've talked about over and over. Um, I still like them to win the series. Jamie Hirsch, NHL Network. Give her a follow on Twitter at Jamie Hirsch. Check out 6 o'clock tonight, NHL Tonight. You'll see Jamie there. Thanks for your time. Jamie Hirsch, noted non-Canes hater, just for all the fans out there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll definitely talk to you later on this series. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Big thanks to Jamie Hirsch for joining us here. All right, let's get into a lot of the different headlines that we've had throughout the day in a segment we like to call Hit It and Quit It. Hit my music. It's it's coming. Uh, let's talk about this, though. We, oh, oh, there, there it is. is. There it goes. I had you cover, Graham. Don't worry. So, we were talking about the Canes game. Three shorthanded goals for the Canes. That's right. First time a team has had three shorthanded goals in a playoff game since the Oilers did it on April 17th. 1983. Wow. Three years before you and I were born. That's right. Wow. So that's how long it's been. It's been a minute. Now, the Islanders won the Stanley Cup that year, so we can't make the comparison. But I will say this. The Oilers did win the next three Stanley Cups. I don't know if that means anything. It doesn't, but nevertheless. You're saying marking down 2024, 2025, and 2026. Do it. Mark it down. You know, it, I thought it was interesting, though, with that, because, like I said, I was driving. I said this earlier in the show. I was driving. I was traveling back to the Triangle, mm-hmm. just kind of uh, keeping up with the game on my phone, and I was just so, so upset with what was going on. Yeah. And then when I see how the Canes would score on my phone, like, what? And it just kind of, what? Another another one of those? You know what I'm saying? And, and if you look at something like that, you see three shorthanded goals, you would assume a win. But also, I wanted I wanted to think about this: if the Canes are scoring that much right now, mm-hmm. being shorthanded, what is Game Four going to look like for them? Because obviously, they've clearly found something. As long as they keep their defense tight and intact, they found something that they can use and and I guess uh, use to dismantle the the Devils a little bit. Well, we talked to Jamie Hurst. She we we asked her if you missed that conversation. Check it out on the Best of Ninety Nine Nine The Fan Podcast about the goaltending. There's cause for concern for the New Jersey Devils. Absolutely. Yeah, you're only down one game in the series, but you've given up 15 goals in three games. That's a lot. That is a lot. And there are stretches in the first-round series against the New York Rangers 
where you were giving up four or five goals a game. So, yeah, there's concern defensively for the New Jersey Devils. If Canes can lock it down defensively, I'm confident in scoring. By the way, let's quit that. Let's hit this real quick. I hit it so good. The NHL draft lottery is tonight, mm-hmm. so we'll find out who's going to be the number one overall pick. Now, Connor Bedard, for people that don't know who Connor Bedard is, is the number one over. He will be the number one overall pick. It's kind of like when Zion was coming out. Everyone knew Zion was going to be number one overall pick. That's when, this guy. Yeah, that's this guy. When okay. LeBron was coming out, everyone like, yeah, that's the guy. Basically, it was a race to see who was going to get LeBron or a race to see to get Zion. Or when Sidney Crosby, those guys came out, this is supposed to be that dude. So, the, anyway, the if you're into the NHL draft, the Connor Bedard sweepstakes really gets underway today. But here's the thing. If the fix is in, you'll know if the Chicago Blackhawks get it because the NHL <laughs> wants an original six team oh, to have it. So if the Chicago Blackhawks get it, then you know it's a thing. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. The Canes, eh, they won't be in that. They're playing too long. Mm-hmm. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. How you doing? Chandler Zavala officially signs with the Carolina Panthers, of Let's course. Let's go. He was uh, chosen by the Panthers in the fourth round of the draft uh, last two weeks ago now. Wow, mm-hmm. that's going by so fast. And he was an uh, uh, offensive guard from NC State. His dad, a big-time chef. So oh, now really? that he's signed uh, with the, the Panthers, hey. maybe he can come like whip up something for uh, the Panthers team before games and you know get them uh, get them on a track to winning. Hey, I'm for that. Do we get to sample the food? That's something I want to know. We should probably call his dad and ask. Let's do it. If he makes vegan, I know you're in for oh, sure. Oh, I'm in for sure. So we talked to Scott Fitterer last week, the general manager of the, Car- of the Carolina Panthers, and he said that with the injuries with Austin Corbett, that we might see Zavala and Iki Kwanu, who play on the left side of the offensive line for NC State for a couple years together, yep. back together again yep. week one. They might have to move Brady Christensen over to the right side of the offensive line to right guard. But, yeah, don't be, su- don't be surprised if Chandler Zavala is starting. A fourth-round pick, that's great value for a team. And, yeah, could you imagine the two NC State linemen just lining up right next to each other? Pancakes. Road grading things on the left side of that offensive line. Pancakes. I'm excited for that. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real quick. So the the Colts and owner Jim Ursay are asking the NFL to look at a potential tampering by the Washington Commanders. Oh. Not surprised with the Washington <laughs> Commanders. Anything bad going on in the NFL in the front office, oh, Washington Commanders pop up. Go figure. But potentially tampering with Andrew Luck. Chris, you brought this to my attention earlier today. Yeah, apparently the, the Commanders went through in this past season and called – every other team in the NFL. And all asked, 31 other teams. All 31 teams and asked if their quarterbacks were available. Was that so during they, the season? During the season. Okay. So they also they called the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, is Patrick Mahomes available? Okay. No? I, okay. You know how that conversation ends? <laughs> how? Dial tone. That just That's all that is. Like, is Andrew Luck available? Like, all right, who's prank calling us right now? They call it the LA Chargers. Hey, is Justin Herbert available? Yeah, dial tone. They also called, I would guess, the Buccaneers if they called all of the teams. About Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady available? I mean, that's what the report says. The report says they called all teams. So, along with that, they also called players, other quarterbacks, who are not currently in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. That is Andrew Luck. Now, why this is a problem with Jim Ursay and the Colts is because even though Andrew Luck is retired, He's still technically under contract. Yes, his with player the team. rights. So they still have his bird rights. So if he does ever decide to come back, it'll have to go through the Colts first. So technically, if they called the commanders, did call 
uh, Andrew Luck directly and say, hey, we want to see if you want to join us, that would be tampering. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that ends up shaking out. Yeah, that's that's an interesting interesting bit because now if you are talking about tampering of a player that's currently has their rights or is still under contract with another team, you're talking about loss of draft picks. As we saw the Miami Dolphins had to forfeit their first-round draft pick this past season because of tampering with Tom Brady and things like that. I will say that if Jim Irsay does really go after this. I say do it. It's petty, and I'm not surprised no. you're saying that because you're petty. No. You are petty. Let that go. Andrew Luck's no, no, not no, coming no. back. No, no, no. Rules is Andrew rules, Lu- Chris. Andrew Luck is not Chris, coming back. Chris, it doesn't matter. Rules are rules. Let that go. You never know. Let hey, it he go. might decide to come back. Let it go. No, rules are rules, Chris. Let it go. Let it go. Been, you have you have too many young kids. Uh, yeah. Sing well, that off the top I have of your two. head. All right. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. The building is on fire. NFL schedule release could be delayed. We're supposed to find out mm-hmm. when these games are supposed to take place. Uh, Thursday at 8 o'clock in a primetime special. However, there's a chance that it could be late, delayed. Uh, Commissioner J- uh, Roger Goodell is meeting with his schedule folks today in New York. Apparently, there's a lot of different things they have to consider as far as what will be primetime games. And we're hearing potentially three games on Christmas Day. Do it. Christmas is on a Monday this upcoming year. It's a perfect time to do it because you know what? Do that 1 o'clock, do the 4.30, and then do the 8 o'clock Monday night football game because you know what? Do it like you do Thanksgiving Day. It's a perfect time to do it. And guess what? At that time of, that time of year, those games carry a lot more weight. A lot more weight because you're talking week 15, week 16. Yeah. Then you have obviously week 17 and 18 coming up. So, yeah, these games are people fighting for playoff positioning. These things have a lot of weight to them. And it's Christmas. People are sitting at home. Oh, there's football on, NFL. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. I, you're going to draw the more casual eye, casual eye than you do the NBA. Because even NBA, casual NBA fan like me, I'll tune in and watch the NFL on that day. You, I agree with you on that. You'll draw more than the NBA, but I will not agree with you on what you said in the prior segment that the what? NBA is missing the mark on their Christmas games. They no, no, I'm saying they're missing the mark. I'm saying not. NBA Christmas Day is overrated. It's not overrated. It's overrated. It's game 20 of the, NF, of the NBA season. That doesn't mean anything. Let's quit this. You're you killing me, Petey! Before I lay the smack down me. up in here. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that's <laughs> going to be the case. All right. Uh, speaking of other games that don't matter, uh, the XFL and the USFL, <laughs> Birmingham Stallions quarterback Jamar uh, Smith wants a USFL versus XFL title game. I'm with it. I need it. I Do need you? it in my life. I need this. I need this. Why? Because do I, we need this in our I, lives? I, I do need this. And, right. I, and I feel like now there would be a lot Are of complications. Would be a lot of complications with this because both leagues have very different uh, rules in certain situations. They different rules. And they also um, play at different times. They play at different times as well. The XFL is literally about to wrap up their season. They have their championship game, I think, this coming weekend. Yeah, USFL and then the USFL just, just, got just began. So there would be some things that, that would need to be altered to make this happen. But to me, I love the idea of spring football having this alternate league, having guys who could potentially play their way into the NFL. And along with this, we may not get a chance to bring this up, but this week the Carolina Panthers are trying out three XFL players, including Austin Prohl, Ricky Prohl's uh, son. Wake Forest legend. So, exact, yeah, exactly. And so uh, I think this is an amazing uh, opportunity to put players on display 
get guys who maybe have been overlooked by the league and get a chance to, to put them on display in front of a national audience. I love it. Give me USFL versus XFL. I want to see it. So is this like AEW when they they're like the Forbidden Door pay per view yes. with New Japan Pro Wrestling, this is AEW all AEW wrestling and versus New Japan. New Japan. Pro. Back in the old like WCW versus NWO like video game type deal. Okay, let's, that I that I can get behind. Let's quit that and let's hit this. You have got to be kidding me. Miami lands Matthew Cleveland. Who? Through the transfer portal, if you are paying attention to the ACC the college last couple basketball. years in college basketball, he's one of the stars from Florida State, so he stays within the state of Florida, just goes south to Miami. Hmm. Um, he's six foot seven, one of those like three and D wing guys that has like the perfect makeup that you would think for the NBA, but you just haven't seen it really come through in his game yet. Maybe Miami with a little bit more freedom of movement. Uh, and maybe the coaching style uh, under Jim Laranega, maybe he gets a chance to shine and show what he can do for the NBA. Yeah, I'm not going to say I know a lot about Matthew Cleveland and his game. Oh, but this is huge. Okay, I'm going to. I'm going to. I really am going to take your word for it. Carolina I, was looking at him. Okay. He, he, if 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 North Carolina could have picked him up, that would have been a huge pickup for Huber Davis. You know, college basketball a little bit more in depth than I do. I'm willing, fully willing to acknowledge that because I get more caught up in in football and, and, and NHL in that regard. So if you're going to tell me that this is a big move for a team that went to the Final Four last season, yes. and they're also losing, uh, also losing Wong because Wong is going to the NBA draft. So I don't know for for Larinaga, yeah, they might be. Well, I'm up there with up there with Duke. They could be up there preseason picked to be favorite with Duke. Losing a 6'3", 6'4", Isaiah Wong. Yeah. For a six foot seven Matthew Cleveland, who has a lot of the same skill set. Yes. Give it to me. Okay. I respect that. Uh, let's hit. Let's quit that. Let's hit this real quick. Tell him to bring me my money. Yeah. Love it. Angel Reese, bring her the money because she signs a deal with Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. They get to the LSU guard who just won a national championship with LSU in women's basketball yes. in a pretty awesome championship game and a really awesome women's basketball tournament this year for the women's basketball NCAA it was tournament. It was really was a lot of fun. Um, she signs with Sports Illustrated. She's going to be featured in the swimsuit issue. By, I, by the way, I realized, I'm like, wow, the swimsuit issue is still in the league? Still yeah. in the game? It's okay. still there. Angel Reese um, has been all over the place. Uh, a lot of media runs lately. Uh, she's become a media darling. And uh, her NIL valuation, according to On3, mm -hmm. uh, is $1.4 million. Really? So there's a chance that right now she's probably making or could be making more money than what she could make any single year in the WNBA. Good Think reason. about that. Yeah. Think about that, and that shows you how much things need to change in the, in, in the WNBA. I mean, but that's another subject. There's also a, probably what only 150 players in the WNBA. 144, exactly. Yeah, well, 12 it, it, teams, 12 yeah. people per team. Wild to think about. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Uh, did you see uh, Jokic go off last night? On the Suns' owner. Oh, did you see the flop that he took? <laughs> Come on now. It was a flop. It was a flop. Well, you know why? Because the uh, the owner, Matt Ishbia. Ishbia. Uh, Ishbia. My yeah. apologies on that. Played at Michigan State under Tom Izzo, if I'm correctly. Yeah. So that makes sense. So he was a flopper. That's what yeah, you're calling him? Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, Nikola Jokic from the D Denver Nuggets. The ball goes out of bounds. A, uh, a Suns player was trying to go after the ball. He lands into the crowd. Matt Ishbia, the new uh, Suns owner, only had a team for like the last, what, two and a half months? Something like it that. It hasn't even been very long. Has the ball. Jokic tries to snatch it from him. 
Uh, Ishbia is like, yo, what are you doing? Jokic gives him a little left arm chicken wing, uh, knocks him down a little bit. Not really too strong. Uh, Ishbia definitely takes the flop for his team. Jokic is called for the technical. And some people are saying he could potentially get suspended. I think he should not be. That is not to me. That's not suspendable. If you go back and look at it, it's all over Twitter. If you hadn't seen it, um, it was a flop from the owner. And a, the owner got involved in the game and actually uh, – had an impact on the game that's not right i think at the end of the day i'm with you on that all right final question final thing here on hit it and quit it real quick speaking of the nba just one quick question for you lakers golden state we're gonna get into this a little bit in a little bit lakers golden state game four is tonight if the lakers who have a 2-1 series lead if they win this game series over yes, yes. or no yes i'm with you on so. that that's chris liam dennis cox graham hill producing the program today bryce young and Jonathan Mingo could be a top QB receiver duo in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers. But one local player could be part of an even better duo. James Boyd, the athletic, joins us next. But the NFL is going to release the 2023 schedule this coming Thursday. Now, Hopefully. we did hear, well, we did hear from the NHL. The NHL actually did send an email out just a little bit ago. NHL, NFL. The NFL did. Okay. That the release will happen. On Thursday at 8 o'clock, so this is officially from the league, but some games will be announced to, on Wednesday. Okay. So we might hear potentially some of those primetime games. My guess is opening day, opening day, yeah. maybe a couple primetime matchups, things along those Thanksgiving, lines. Thanksgiving, Christmas, yeah. We might hear a primetime matchup between the Colts and the Carolina Panthers because you have two young quarterbacks with Bryce Young with Carolina. And you also have with the Colts, Anthony Richardson. This is why we turn to the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. We bring on James Boyd of The Athletic, who covers the Indianapolis Colts. James, simple question to start things off. The duo that the Colts drafted with Anthony Richardson at number four and then in the third round with Josh Downs, former UNC wide receiver, is that going to be a better combination than what we see with Bryce Young, number one overall, and Jonathan Mingo, the second-round pick for Carolina? I'm gonna go say no on that oh. one. Uh, Tell me why. I think that I think that Bryce is just further along as far as being NFL ready. Um, Anthony Richardson had a lot of question marks about when he's gonna play. I do expect him to play um, probably you know before the first half of the season is over mm-hmm. as far as starting. But I just think that Bryce is further along, and to me, he was the clear-cut best quarterback in the draft, and so I expect him to be able to make all the throws right away. Whereas Anthony Richardson you know, has all the physical tools, just has to work on the accuracy stuff, um, missing high a lot during the mini camp and things like that. But um, upside is there. I'm excited for him. But um, I can't be, uh, I guess, a homer. I got to be an unbiased journalist. <laughs> no, you can be a homer. We accept that. We <laughs> fully accept being a homer. That's totally fine. <laughs> no, I think that uh, in all seriousness, there's a greater learning curve there with Anthony Richardson, not saying that he can't be a great quarterback or he won't be. Um, we all know the stuff that he can do physically. Mm-hmm. And I believe his pocket presence is actually better than people give him credit for. Okay. His floor is higher than people give him credit for because he can run and things like that. But, again, to me, Bryce is the best quarterback in the draft. Um, and it wasn't really that close. It's just the biggest thing about him was his size. And if you get over that, then um, you can trust that he's going to have a better you know, relationship with, with Mingo. But I will say I expect Josh Downs to be potentially the most impactful coach rookie okay. right away because he looks pretty good. 
Actually, that's, that's exactly what I was just about to ask you. James Boyd uh, joining us right now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline uh, from the athletic covering the Indianapolis Colts. I was going to say, you talked about being a homer. We're going to be a homer for Josh Downs, played here close by from where we're at uh, at UNC. Definitely somebody that uh, a lot of fans wanted the Carolina Panthers to maybe pick up uh, in the second round. Um, what have your impressions been of, of, of Josh Downs so far and what you feel like he can add to this offense uh, for the Indianapolis Colts in this 2023 season coming up? Absolute baller. That's my first impression. Um, he had an incredible uh, draft call with Chris Ballard, the GM. He was saying that was probably one of the best calls he's ever uh, had been a part of, you know, telling someone that he's going to join the team. Josh Downs is really emotional really the, um, defiance. He was saying, hey, you got the best receiver in the draft. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't know about that because there are a lot of good ones in this, in this draft. Not as deep as others, but still some good ones in there. But um, you can tell that he has a chip on his shoulder. And I think when you get stamped by Reggie Wayne, that says a lot about your technique, mm. your ability to get open, and um, just your overall professionalism and how you approach the game. And so he said that Reggie Wayne told him at the Combine, you're the best wide receiver here. And so to get that high praise from, you know, potentially a future Hall of Famer, a Colts legend, goes a long way. He'll be working with Reggie Wayne, you know, who's a wide receiver coach now for the Colts. And so I expect Josh Downs to, you know, be an impact player pretty early on. And, mm-hmm. and again, I just – I see a dog, you know, undersized. But other than that, um, that's the only real knock on him. The production, you know, matches where they drafted him. And so I think at some point you kind of have to look at – is the guy tough? Is he fearless? Does he have the right technique? And does he have the production? And if you check all those boxes, again, maybe you can get over some of the height issues like Bryce Young. Hmm. James, uh, I wanted to ask you about this, too. Uh, you guys have a piece of Carolina with Josh Downs being there, but we have a piece of Indy mm-hmm. with Frank Reich being the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, was the head coach uh, with the Indianapolis Colts for almost five seasons, um, was just fired last year. When that matchup does happen in the 2023 season, Colts, at Panthers, at Bank of America Stadium. And, of course, there will be a lot of, uh, you know, Colts faithful in town for that. How do you think they will how – do, how do they look at Frank Reich? Do they look at him fondly, uh, just like here, like Carolina Panthers fans still love Ron Rivera with the Commanders? Is, is Frank Reich still looked at, you know, with that those fond eyes from uh, Colts, the Colts faithful, or are they just glad that he's out of their hair right now? I think it's a little bit of both, which is the cop-out answer. I'm sorry, but okay. I do think that – um, there were a lot of fans who were upset when he was booted out. I think that was maybe more so at the hire afterwards. It's like if you get rid of Frank Reich and you bring in Jeff Saturday, did you really get better? Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's harder to do that, you know, in the middle of the season. You're trying to find an interim coach, but I think it didn't go over well with the fan base and even some of the players when you had Bubba Ventrone on staff at the time, you had other coaches who might have been, you know, further along and just better prepared for that position. But then I also think that, you know, Frank Reich, his, uh, his approach, his demeanor, it kind of worn thin on, you know, some guys and, and, and maybe worn thin on the, the fan base. And so I don't think that there's going to be, uh, you know, missing him too much. I think Shane Steichen excites them a lot. And so maybe if you hadn't hired that guy, then maybe you're reminiscing and you're missing him a lot. But I think more than anything, the two eyes, will, or the, the two players, I mean, who have all eyes on them will be Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. He's playing and starting that game, which I hope, because um, I'm all about the pettiness, the smoke, yes. the, um, the beef, everything. Yes. I mean, I want all the, <laughs> the headlines and everything to come true. So we'll see. But I do think that uh, when Frank Reich was fired, we all knew he was going to get hired 
relatively soon. It's just depending on where. And obviously him having his ties to, you know, Carolina makes a lot of sense for him to end up there. And um, he's another coach that has a great track record with quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. so um, that has to excite Panthers fans, I'm sure. It does, and I will say, James, you speaking of petty and all the smoke and stuff, you're speaking my speaking language. language. I am 100% with you. <laughs> he he on, is the petty king here. On all of this. <laughs> Final question for James Boyd of The Athletic, joining us here at the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. All right, 60 seconds. Do you think, knowing that your time uh, covering the team and Frank Reich, do you think in the next two seasons Frank Reich will help lead the Carolina Panthers to the playoffs? Yes or no? Yes. I think that's a strong possibility. I think that team is further along, evidenced by what they gave up to go get Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. I think that division is wide open. And so um, I'd expect them to be in playoff position um, pretty soon and much sooner than the Colts, who have a longer road to go, I think. And so um, that should excite Panthers fans. And, again, Frank Reich is a really good dude. Um, I think the misconception sometimes is that he's not a rah-rah guy. So does he care as much? Yes, he cares deeply. You don't have to worry about that. He's going to be prepared. He's going to make sure that Bryce Young is prepared. And I think that that's going to bode well for the future, which, in my opinion, is bright and could get really bright pretty soon. That's James Boyd, The Athletic. Give him a follow on Twitter, at RomeovilleKid, and also follow his work on The Athletic. Thanks for your time, and enjoy this upcoming season. We'll talk to you down the line. Thank you, James. Sounds, yeah, sounds good. I hope I can top it up with you guys when they uh, square off this season. And, again, yes. bring all the smoke. Yes. <laughs> what it. What oh, all the listen, if, Let's go. If you're telling us to bring the smoke, we will bring the smoke for you. Yes, we will. All right. appreciate it. Thanks Let's go. <laughs> That's James Boyd from The Athletic joining us here on the Heath Stroud Motive Group Potline.